Today's Bible verse comes from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Amen. Storms. We've been familiar with them this week. But depending on where you live in the United States, you experience different types of storms. In the Midwest, the storms that they get most likely are tornadoes. In the Southwest, it's dust storms, sand storms. In the Northeast and the Northern areas, they're going to get snowstorms and blizzards. Here in the Southeast, we get hurricanes. But not only do different storms hit different areas, they also hit during different seasons. We don't see a blizzard happen in the middle of June up in the north, and we're never going to have a hurricane here in January. All right, so if that happens, don't come and say it's your fault, okay? But one thing is for sure that storms will always come, both the meteorological ones in the natural world and the metaphorical ones in our personal lives. We see it in Scripture over and over as we look at the lives of Joseph and Job, David, Jonah, or even Paul. And in our text this morning, it's the disciples that are experiencing a terrifying storm. But as we read through Scripture and we process all that has happened to us over the last week, we can find lessons in it for us. See, our story this morning takes place on the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is famous for its quality and abundance of fish. But it's not a lake in the way that we think of lakes. We think Lake Michigan, Lake Superior. Sea of Galilee is small. It's just 8 by 13 miles. It's very small. But the key part about this lake, or this sea, is that it's almost 700 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountains. And so storms can get whipped up in an instant. The waves, the winds, they'll go wild in a moment. But that's just how the storms of life come. One minute the sun is shining, The next, the lightning is flashing, thunder is booming, and the winds and the waves are taking over. The phone rings, 
And in seconds, your life has changed. You're in the middle of a storm. You have a routine doctor appointment. It's supposed to be quick and simple until the doctor tells you to sit down and you can tell by the look on his face that you're about to come into a storm. It can happen as we go through an intersection in a flash. It can happen when your boss calls you into your office or when you open that letter in the mail. The storms of life can arise suddenly and violently without any warning. And the conditions for a storm in your life are usually quite perfect. You don't like your job? Your schedule is full. You're stressed out to the breaking point. Your family's a mess. They're stressed out. Money's tight. And then that storm comes and hits you when you least expect it. Maybe everything in your life is going great right now. That's when you need to remember these times faith in Jesus is what matters because the storm is going to come and it only takes a second for your world to be rocked whether it's the sudden death of a loved one the job loss the spouse that you love telling you I don't love you anymore but we can prepare for the storm as a Floridian We prepare for hurricanes. It almost becomes just a part of what we do. It it becomes second nature to us. In social media, I had a friend who had posted for her non-Floridian friends what it was like preparing for a hurricane in Florida. And it was this gigantic list. And, And it struck me because it was a very true list. But I hadn't really put it in a list in that way before. And I thought, wow, we really do a lot to prepare for a hurricane. But if we're going to prepare for the hurricanes around us, don't you think we need to be prepared for the hurricanes that are going to happen in our personal lives as well? We make the plants to secure our property. We put up storm shutters and plywood. We take in our patio furniture. We buy water and batteries, non-perishable food, all of that to prepare. But what about those storms that are going to come into your personal life? How do we prepare for that? You follow Jesus. What were the disciples doing before this storm hit? They were following Jesus. Verse 35 says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. It was Jesus' idea to get in that boat and travel. And the disciples followed him. Preparation means following Jesus in the good times too. Don't just turn to him in the bad times. We need to look to him when the sun is shining bright and everything is calm and good. We need to make plans to secure our faith. We need to decide now that no matter what life throws at us, 
we're going to decide to follow Jesus. Because storms are coming. Well, yeah, that's great encouragement, Pastor. Thanks for that this morning. Yay. But the good news is on the other side, the storm's not going to stay forever. Storms are temporary. They will go. The storm's going to unleash its power upon you for a short time. But in a little while, it will disappear. And the sun will shine again. Now this, this storm that the disciples were dealing with, this was a big storm. Remember, they were fishermen. They were in this Sea of Galilee all the time. This storm should have been just a part of what they did. But they were scared. This was a fierce storm. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Their comfort was threatened. This storm was a real threat to their very lives. Sound familiar? Some of the reports that were coming in. This is a catastrophic storm. Get out while you can. Did you feel threatened? Did you feel like your comfort was not so comfortable? See, God is going to use the storms in our lives because it draws us to him. After realizing that they could not make it to shore without the help of Jesus, the, the disciples decided, we better wake him up. We better wake him up. You see, the storm had caused them to see that their own weakness, they couldn't do it on their own. They needed someone to save them. As those weather forecasts were coming in for us over a week ago, in the days before Irma hit, they just kept predicting, catastrophic was the word they said, over and over and over. No amount of preparation was going to prepare us for what was to come. And sometimes in the storms of life, even in the meteorological ones, we're brought to our knees. And that's exactly where God wants us. He wants to show us that he is faithful. He wants to show us that he is ever-present and that he is worthy. Storms have a way of realigning our focus onto what matters most. Before we lost power during the storm, we had it on the weather channel constantly. But one of the things that began getting really irritating for me was in between the news reports and the weather reports were commercials. And the commercials were for things like refrigerators and for dryers and washing machines and generators. And I'm sitting here watching these news reports, these commercials in between. I'm thinking, I don't care. I am worried about my house. I'm worried about my family. And they're trying to sell me a refrigerator. I may not have a house for that refrigerator. And it really clued me into, wow, that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is the people sitting on this couch with me right in this moment. 
And that's what storms do. Storms realign us into what matters, what really matters in our lives. God wants us to turn to him. God wants us to depend upon him. The other thing that storms bring us to is to know the strength of God's power. When Jesus was awakened from his sleep, he was directly in the will of God. He stood up in that boat and he said, peace be still. And there was a great calm. It makes a difference if you know the Father. And it makes a difference if you are in the will of God for your life. God wants to help you through every storm. The disciples were afraid. And for us, fear and doubt is a part of our human condition. But we're not allowed to stay there. We don't have that luxury as followers of Christ. Fear and doubt can peek in, but we need to kick it out. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He calls the disciples out on their fear. Oh, you who have little faith, why do you doubt Had the disciples forgotten about all the miracles they had seen? Did they realize that Jesus is God? How different the message would have been if our story read this way. One day, Jesus and a bunch of the followers hopped into a boat. They traveled to the other side of the lake. Only a big storm came, sunk the boat, and seven of the twelve disciples drowned. The end. Well, how would that have glorified God? You see, Jesus wasn't done with the disciples. And there was no force on earth, including this mega-sized storm, that was going to disrupt God's plans. And the disciples needed to be reminded of that power. And so do we. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And those plans will not be thwarted by a storm. The third thing that storms do for us. Sometimes God allows the storms so that we might be in the center of his will. See, the storm did not cause Jesus and his disciples to go off course. God used the storm to bring them exactly to God's desired place. They went to Gerasenes, where a demon-possessed man would come to know the saving knowledge of Christ. God was directing that boat. God always has a plan. If the disciples had been left in charge of that boat, I'm sure they would have sailed the ship into a comfortable harbor. But God took over. He caused the winds to blow the ship to the edge of that coast for a purpose. Because there was a man who needed to know Jesus. You see, sometimes storms offer us protection from something much worse. When my kids were really little, and they would like to put their toys in the pool to float them around, and, and then every now and again, their toys would get away from them if they were on the side, not actually in the pool. And their toys would drift out to the middle, and they'd say, Mom, Mom, my toy, I can't get it. 
And I would teach them, well, if you start throwing things on the other side of your toy, the waves, the little waves are going to bring it back to you. Do you think that's what God does with our storms? He uses them. He pushes something out beyond us that we can't see. No, you don't want to go that way. This storm will bring you back into my safe harbor where you need to be. We hear medical stories all the time of where people go in for just a minor illness only to discover a bigger problem that was caught just in time before it became catastrophic. We've all experienced detours in our lives that were inconvenient. But oftentimes, they were protection from a bigger problem. Church, in life, we are going to experience big storms. There's no denying that Jesus told us that. And you're going to feel that your safety is threatened. You're going to feel that your faith in God and everything else that you were so confident about is now being challenged. There are going to be times when tough circumstances are threatening to swamp you, to sink you right where you're at, to bury you. But there's good news. Even though the storm is big, Jesus will be present through the storm. Jesus was with the disciples in that boat. And he's with each of you. He was with each of you through Irma as it was raging outside. He was with every one of you. We're not promised an easy life. Jesus warned us that life would be hard. Wait, what? You mean I'm going to suffer like everybody else? Well, why do I want to follow Jesus? Why? Why, did, why should I be a Christian? If I'm going to have the same problems that everybody out there is going to have, what's the point? Because the presence of Jesus makes the difference. On social media, there's lots of hurricane pages. And if you go on any of those pages, I will tell you, you can tell the difference between those that know the presence of Jesus in those that don't. There's a difference. We all went through the same storm, but some of us had the presence of Jesus and some of us didn't. And that's why we need to do this so we can go out there and tell them that the presence of Jesus makes the difference. So what do you do if you're in the middle of a storm right now? What do I do, Pastor? Go to God. Run to Jesus. Where was Jesus during this storm? He was right there in that boat. And what did the disciples do? They ran to Jesus. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Wow. We get to understand the power of that verse because it shows us that Jesus was human and that he was God. He was tired, just like me and you. You have a Savior that understands you. 
But Jesus is God. Here is this strong storm raging, and he's asleep because he knew it was under his control. Go to God. Tell him your worries. The message for us is pray, pray, and then pray some more. I can honestly tell you, ashamedly so, that I don't think I've ever prayed so consistently and so fervently over a 36-hour period than I did from Saturday evening till 2 a.m. Monday morning. Because I'll tell you, when I heard those winds slamming against the house, when I heard the rattling of the metal shutters on the windows, and the whistling and the howling through the neighborhood, I ran to God because I was scared. There was one point in our house, we have one room that's upstairs, and we found out after we bought the house that that part of the house was made of wood, not concrete block. And so we didn't go up in that area very much during the hurricane. But I did go up there because I just wanted to go up there and just feel the presence of God. It was my my sanctuary in the storm because I knew that I could just sit there and pray and God would be there. And that's our Father, our Savior in the storms. He is there. He is absolutely there. The last thing you can do if you're in a storm, keep bailing that water out. Keep bailing the water out. Our scripture this morning tells us the boat was filling up with water. Well, they had to be bailing it out so they wouldn't sink. See, placing your faith and trust in God doesn't mean that we just sit back and do nothing. We still have to do our part. We still have to respond responsibly and obediently. It would have been foolish for us to sit back and not be prepared for the hurricane that had been coming. It would have been even more foolish for us to sit outside in a patio chair on the front lawn during the storm, saying, oh, God will protect me. No, that's not what that means. You have to do your part. If you find yourself in a storm right now, keep doing what you know to do. You can do it. Don't give up. Hang in there. Jesus is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just a little while longer, you'll get through this. The storm won't last. It's temporary. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Thanks be to God, he gives us victory through Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise. And God is faithful to his promises. And then after the storm passes, what do we do? How do we move on? How do we move from this place to the next? Be thankful. Be thankful that the storm is gone. Storms come so that we can be thankful for all things. 
When the storm has passed by, you reevaluate what's left. You're thankful for life. You're thankful just to be alive. When Irma went on her way and you stepped outside for the first time, how did you feel? As you assess the damage around you, did you fall to your knees in gratitude and thankfulness that you and your family were still alive? Which brings us to the second thing we need to do after a storm. Recognize God for who he is. The disciples said, who is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. See, the storms of life should bring us to a place where we can view the majesty and mercy of God. As I looked around when I came out after the storm, and I looked at the large trees that had just been snapped like twigs, and there were trees that were upright, uprooted like sticks in a sandbox, I couldn't help but just be awed by the power of God because all the houses around us were still standing. Church, storms don't catch God off guard. We could say, what was Jesus thinking? He led them in the boat into the middle of a lake. Did he not see the weather report that a big storm was going to come? Do you think he knew there was going to be a storm in the lake that night? He knew the storm was coming. He knew what they were walking into or sailing into. He led them into the middle of that lake anyway. Why? So their faith could grow. So they would catch a glimpse of his power and his glory. Sometimes we have to realize that God allows us to go through storms. So we know that he can get us out of them. So our faith grows. And so we trust him more. God will always outlast the storm. God is eternal. Storms are just temporary. And the one that we probably struggle with the most is that God's going to calm the storm in his time schedule, not ours. He'll calm it when he wants to. Not when we want to. He'll comment in the way that he wants to, not in the way we think it should be done. Because he's the master over everything. I love the conclusion that the disciples come to at the end of this account. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The conclusion for us, God is big enough to tell the wind and the waves what to do. And they listen to him. But what about us? The wind and the waves obey God. Are you? Are you going to listen to God? Are you going to obey God? That's in our court. What do we do with God? What do we do with Jesus? 
Sometimes we're terrified of the storms that we will face in life. They haven't hit us yet, but we worry about them. But what if? But what if? And Jesus tells us not to worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Focus on today. But be prepared. Just keep following Jesus. Because the best storm preparation is faith in Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus that we allow God to speak peace into our storms. Jesus told us, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Jesus told the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. And there was peace. There was serenity. In that stillness and calmness, it almost mocked the storm. If you allow Jesus into your life and allow him to say, quiet, be still, you'll find peace that transcends anything you've ever known. And no storm that comes into your life can overpower you. God promises to never leave us nor forsake us. God promises us peace even in the biggest storms. And it's in Jesus that those promises are fulfilled. And that's why we celebrate communion. Because it's a fulfillment of a promise. God's promise to us of eternal life. God's promise to us of guidance through the storms, of peace in the storms. And so we celebrate this morning. We remember, but we celebrate because we're here. And God brought us here. He brought us here. He gave us peace through the storm. He protected us. And so we take this moment to remember what Jesus did because it's what he did that gave us that peace that brought us here to this place. I'll read from Corinthians how Paul was handing down the tradition of communion. From 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this to remember me and as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread, every time you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Communion reminds us of why Jesus came. He freed us from our bondage to sin. He came to bring us peace between us and God one another 
in, in ourselves, in our battles, in our own selves. Communion causes us to look inward. Communion causes us to look at our relationship with Jesus. As you come forward and you take of the bread and you dip it in the wine, go back to your seat and reflect. Reflect on what has happened to you over the last two weeks. Don't take it lightly. Don't just put it all in a box and tuck it away in your attic brain somewhere. Take hold of it. Take hold of what Jesus did for you this week, of how he carried you through it. And how he's going to carry you through the next storm that comes. I'm going to ask that we start the music for communion. And and come forward as, as you feel. This is your time with Jesus.